episode 9 of the Exit Strategy. We're excited to speak with Anya Skoda, a biotech scientist, a dog lover, and a female founder and CEO of Happy Bond. Happy Bond partners include celebrity greats such as Oscar Award winning Halle Berry, Caesar Milan, aka the Dog Whisperer, and Ziggy Marley. Now let's hear the count. You're listening to The Exit Strategy, a podcast that inspires open discussions about financial news and technology today. My name, Marcus McGarian, a recovering SaaS vendor joined by my co-hosts, Ralph DeFiori and Swadek Mazundar, and we're sitting down with startup founders, technology experts. Now let's begin. Uh, how so it's not start? live. No, it's not uh, live. It's we could make right. it live if you want. We could put it on. No. Like, uh, <laughs> I could I could crack open the uh, Instagram, you know, and go Instagram <laughs> live or Zoom live. Yeah, I saw yeah. Elon Musk on um, TikTok live the other day, so you know. Yeah. But um, no, I mean we're we're we, you know we're excited obviously to have Anya Skoda on the on the show today. You know, you're Anya. You're a biotech scientist. You're a dog lover. You're a female founder. The CEO of Happy Bond, which is a, is a company that we love. I'm also loving that you have Halle Berry and Caesar Milan in the team. And we can't forget Fernando, the chief tasting officer, and Junior, Caesar's dog, who you healed, kind of. You know, when he ate your food. True, that, supplement. Supplement, right? But yeah. how, did, how did this whole thing start? Because, like, I mean, Caesar's obviously the, the king of dogs. You know, you're, yes. you're, you're then the queen of dogs now. Well, he's uh, taking more care of the training and we yeah. do the nutrition side. So I started because of my dog, Tony, who had the same issues at, as Junior, arthritis in his shoulder. And I worked in cartilage tissue engineering at the time um, in research for rheumatoid arthritis. So my dog couldn't skateboard, which is um, sounding weird, but he loved to skateboard. Um, so I created the first SKU that we have, a supplement for their joints for Tony. And he was back within a week. That led us to try it ourselves. It's a uh, human grade. So we wanted to see if it works on humans too. And it does. So we continued giving it to dogs and then eventually met Caesar and uh, gave it to Junior. And he was back as well in a couple of weeks, um, was off the pain medicine and obviously had another three, four years of his life, really, really happy running, chasing the ball. And that's extremely important for pet parents that their dog can move and you can still play with them and keep those bonding moment, moments um, more available to walk with them and play. And that was the same for Caesar. How, how do you know when the dog is having problems with its joints? I, I've had a dog in 1985. I was given a dog, but mm -hmm. it stayed in Latin America. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get to play with a dog unless I flew down to Brazil. So wow. Well, the first signs of joint issues are mostly that the dog gets a little slower, has problems standing up, um, jumping up the stairs, is not as active and um, energetic running after chasing after a ball. Many times they stand up after long sleeping and, and limp a little bit. But I'm always saying this is a stage when it's very late to act. That's why our supplements start in puppy age, to not get to that point as fast and keep that collagen production level on, on, a, on a higher 
um, supply level for, for your joints. So it's late when you see the first signs because dogs are really good with hiding pain. They mm. still want to come and be happy and, and join you for, for playing with them. So it's hard to really see it. And especially if you around them every day, it's much harder to, um, to observe that. You know, I was going to say, uh, uh, I, I thought, uh, Anya, you're gonna, you were going to say that the moment you find out a dog can skate, you know they're in pain. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> if your dog doesn't skate, then it's maybe more the running. Or yeah. yeah. But these foods that you create for these dogs, if they're human grade, mm -hmm. uh, let me play a little devil, devil's advocate here. Would you not go for the human consumption market rather than the pet market what's your you know design behind that well i do love animals more than people and i think they deserve everything that we have to give them um there is a lot of uh similar stuff out there for humans but the pets i feel always get like the the last the old research and not the new new stuff that we could give them uh, we do have two patents, one on the human side and one on the pet side. So there's always an opportunity. But building a brand and a company in one space is already a full-time job. So I wouldn't diversify us right now to go into another really competitive and, and big space. We want to focus on pets and animals for now. Your your third celebrity is going to be Tony Hawk, right? Because he skates. We, he's he's got a dog I heard that. Lolo, right? Or something <laughs> We do have a third celebrity, um, actually, that we just launched a grooming line with, Ziggy Marley, mm. Bob Marley's son. So um, he has a dog named Romeo, does not skateboard, but it's uh, still his family member. When did all this uh, happen, uh, Anya? When did you start the company? So I started the company in the U.S., um, I think, um, start of 2019, when we started officially selling end of 2019 um that was great timing because pandemic hit right after <laughs> so for a company trying to raise money and being new that wasn't the best best time of launching which we went through uh, a lot of um, rebranding and repositioning ourselves through that time and not just focusing on being a supplement brand so during the um pandemic we really bootstrapped and wanted to create more excuse to actually have a bigger vision as a brand to be um, a 360 degree approach for your for your dog's health meaning we're not just supplements that's where we started but now we have just launched our really unique unique wet dog food that is shelf stable with a patent pending technology um, we have elixirs with Halle Berry for pet wellness we have treats a very clean and single protein treats and we do have a grooming line with Ziggy. So we kind of want to give you a one-stop shop once you trust the brand to um, buy everything the dog needs, essentially, as nutrition from, from our brand. And that was the journey through the pandemic. Then when it all um, fell into place, we raised the seat round and closed that last year. Ralph, where, where's your dog? You, Ralph has a really cute cocker spaniel. Where, where oh. is? Um, <laughs> Bring him on the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. Maybe I could show you a picture of him. But um, so uh, 
tell us about your challenges uh, when you first started out. Uh, there must have been many. Yeah, I think for every founder and starting your own company, there are many challenges. It's not um, always, we always hear about the success stories, but there is a lot behind and a lot of um, up and down, like a roller coaster. Um, I would say first starting to raise money. Um, I moved from Germany, so I had to kind of adapt to a new ecosystem and a new networking here in the US, um, which took me a, a while to understand how to um, navigate through that. Uh, but then the fundraising, I would say every founder has to um, realize that that's kind of the main job. And it's always going to stay this, the main job, which uh, I didn't realize in the beginning. I thought I'm raising money and then I'm going to run my company. But the raising money is kind of the, always there. And then mm. you run your company beside that. Um, challenges, I think it's really, when you just talk about the fundraising, it's to identify the right fund, the right people, the right angels that are actually interested in what you do. In the beginning, I made a lot of mistakes of reaching out to anyone that says investor, um, thinking, wow, they could invest in me but not realizing they said no because it's just not their space um, and that people are very specific in the fields they want to invest because they want to know what they invest in. They want to have a knowledge about it and, and potentially help the um, entrepreneur to make uh, better decisions or be advisors. So I think that's one big learning. Um, do your research, really figure out who is in your space and don't be afraid that there's competition that they might have looked at and invested in because they they can just be a little angle that is different and it will still be interesting for that fund or investor um, in the beginning. And then also be at the right stage. Like it doesn't help to reach out to funds that you really like to be involved with if they're not in your seat or series A or whatever stage you want to raise money. Um, I think that's that can save a lot of time uh, for, for both parties because you're, you don't want to start a relationship with not knowing about each other. Um, and then I think a lot of times go out there. That was a challenge for me in the beginning, like the network and being um, present and um, don't be afraid to post and show things on LinkedIn the, because people want to know about what's going on. And many times founders are really busy with their daily work and forget about that part. And that comes in later when you maybe have a team that takes care of it. But I think it's really important to start this early and be um, really just tell your story and be out there and people can find you. And, and that will give the company a better visibility and, and easier to scale later. I think but what, was your, uh, what was your first big hire? Now you've started this company, you're alone. Mm -hmm. Did you bring in a partner? Did you hire somebody? <laughs> what what happened next? Well, it was actually, um, I started this um, alone, but I had someone that gave me my first loan when I got to the States. I, I met her, uh, funny enough, at a yard sale. <laughs> I bought her wetsuits and um, we, we started talking. She was a serial entrepreneur and she is an incredible COO, um, has been running a lot of operations sold her company. It's still in a high position in a um, company for CPG. And she helped me part-time to start and build this and what I had to do to be a DTC brand. And she gave me a loan that I paid back after a year and that got me started. 
And, and back then we had one investor that was involved for the first half a year as well, more on the financial side. Um, and then I think we had a, along the way, a lot of people that, that were supporting and it's still in advisor roles, but they um, kind of gave us their time for a year, half a year to really give them our, their knowledge and help us build. So um, we do have some key people that we work with now, but they were not necessarily the ones in the beginning. I would love to bring her back one day, but I think that will need a serious A raise. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, so uh, I assume you have somebody preparing, preparing the food. You don't do it on the weekends. You don't cook it. <laughs> Started there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so so yeah. tell us, when, when did you... Um, did you get a third-party manufacturing uh, company to uh, cook and package the uh, the food? Yeah, so the food was two years in the making. Uh, it was harder than I thought to bring this to market. We had a um, really great, we still have a very great lead investor that comes from the pet food manufacturing side who brings in an additional team for us um, from the head nutritionist we have that came from Hills um, that is from their team. We have operational help, CFO help. Their complete team is is used to running a um, food pet food manufacturing. So they helped us finding our co-man for the dog food, which was a long journey. It was not only that it was unknown what technology I wanted to use that we now have a patent pending on, uh, but it was also the container, the way I wanted to make it was not really aligned with with some of the pet food manufacturers. So since it's human grade, we had to find someone that works with human grade ingredients and can deal with a glass jar, which that was kind of a hard part. And then also process this as we want it, very gentle um, and understand that there's a vacuum created. It's kind of like baby food back in the days, just for pets. And, and why glass? Why did you, uh, you wanted to have a clean look, a fresh look? as opposed to a can or some other yeah, container? It's the look, but it's also the sustainability aspect. And, and thinking about a can, there's still a lot of uh, lining in a can that can diffuse into the food. That's why many times you have this metal taste um, eating food out of a can. Um, and the glass jar is the only technology that can take how we pressure cook it and then make this vacuum seal without adding any preservatives so it's really just five ingredients human grade uh, really nice breast meat um, that that is in the jar. and as long as you don't open it it's actually stable forever but there's like a two-year guideline that we're using for now and, the, right. and the glass is important because it's recyclable like we were starting mm -hmm. a recycled program next year where they can bring back the glass jars and get discount on the next buy and yeah. um, that can help us offsetting costs but also the environment yeah like in 2019 there was a lot of these food companies that came out that were in glass jars also and they would have vending machines that would distribute but i guess you, there's no vending machine for you yet not yet not i yet. like that it's, idea though it's, it's coming right it's even coming. right by the dog park <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's like you just hold your hand or the paw of your dog and it comes out <laughs> that would the, be amazing. On, on and your, how about uh how about sales what when did 
your sales take off? Uh, who did you sell through? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and that was a, um, a learning curve as well, because we started, as I said, before the pandemic as a DTC brand. I had a subscription model build and I thought that was it for the supplements, which worked out great in the beginning. I think the pandemic was great for companies that had a lot of money to put into marketing um, on the e-commerce side. For those that didn't, it was a lot of competition. We still had decent sales, um, but then with the dog food, that is kind of our game changer as a hero product. I always saw our brand as an omni-channel approach, but it was really hard with a supplement to get into retail because the retailers don't want a product that doesn't leave the shelf that often because you don't buy a supplement more than 30 to 60 days. So it's not a high frequency um, sale through. So we didn't have much luck with getting in the specialty pet and other stores. Um, but with the food that we just launched, um, that was a total different approach and everyone wants this food. And we go um, strictly for now into independent pet uh, retailers to um, mainly to educate the pet parent in an easier way because it's a new product, it's a new concept. If they see it and can touch it and they see it in the, in the store, um, the pet store actually does the educational part for us before we go back to our DTC as we have um, built that into our website. And, and um, since it's not refrigerated, we have an ability to go through Amazon Prime, DoorDash, uh, you name any online store, Chewy, Petco, um, to provide the pet parents with that as well. Uh, but the the independent retail and and really retail, in my opinion, is coming back after the pandemic. We all we all thought it's not, but now people are more likely to go shopping for the ex experience, touching it, really seeing a product, and interact with people and salespeople about new new products. So we um we had a great uh, trade show a month ago, and next week we're delivering our first orders that was incredible um how much we needed to produce to just fulfill that first uh first chunk of of orders with distribution and all that into brick and mortar retail anya what i'm hearing from you uh are pearls of wisdom from an entrepreneur right that's gone through the process and i think it's very important for every entrepreneur that thinks of starting a company that mm -hmm. It's all not rosy. There are a lot of challenges. And, you know, you're talking about some challenges and we're talking about fundraise. Capital raise is a big component of it. You are right. There are different kinds of investors. Uh, financial investors will look at just financial outcomes and then you have emotional out, uh, investors who are looking at the pet market. They look at pets in general. They invest just because they love pets, right? So you have to kind of see where, where you need to go. And then you have these strategics who look at not just you as a company, but look at how it fits into their ecosystem and how in total everyone grows, right? You've done all that, you know, really well. And you, you know, obviously evolving while you do that, you're branding yourself. So give some color on that branding. How, how are you keeping pace with branding, with, you know, uh, growing, you know, evolving your company as, uh, you know, as uh, as a brand in the pet uh, pet market. Yeah, I mean, branding is a is a big subject for for any company. I think uh, it is very um, often 
put aside and not been giving enough attention. Um, you, some people think they just need to create a logo and then there's nothing, they just put it out there. I think what, what made our brand different and the thinking around it is I have, I have a great team of, of advisors in the creative space. We're very fortunate to have um, that helped me with a, a lot of the brand strategy and really set me down and did workshops like how do I have to think not only having a logo and going out there, but what about the colors, the type, um, the, the um, uh, fund, anything you want to do, because all of a sudden you get all these partnerships and all these marketing opportunities and they're using your logo maybe in a way that you don't want it to be used. And they're using colors or, or types that you don't want your brand to be seen like. So I think that what is very important for any founder, and many times not done because of money, it's not cheap, is to um, create brand guidelines. Really sit down and think about what do I want my brand to look? How do I want other people to, to conceive it? And um, more like they always make this example about a person. If your brand is a person, who is that? Who is this going to be? So um, I think we early on engaged with a company that created our brand guidelines and um, also the vision, like the vision, mission, all these statements that sound like, okay, big brands have that. But I think it's important you do that before you grow because you want to follow that vision and, and act the whole time through that. And sometimes when you get all these opportunities thrown at you and some investors say, oh, you should do this and you should do this. You just go back and think about why did I do this and what what is my mission in this company? Why do I want to do this? And stay through, true to that because that's kind of sometimes you don't remember because it goes so fast and there's so much noise and opportunity and you think, oh, maybe I have to do this too. And and we always, when we had the brand guide, guidelines, it was very easy um, starting new marketing campaigns because I could just send it to them and say, this is our guidelines and you have to follow them. And then from there on, we never got bad ads sent to us or bad blogs or things. They all followed what we send them. It was easy for both parties. Um, so I highly recommend that. And then just build out the vision and mission statement and put it on your website and, and follow that. And that goes for the whole team. If you hire people, they have to um, follow that. They have to um, engage with that and believe in the same thing. For us, it's easy. I mean, we work with dogs. Obviously, people that work for us love dogs. Uh, it's easier than a tech company, probably, to keep that cult um, positive because we have dogs running in the office and there's always fun things to talk about. And as we all know, dogs will bring up our oxytocin and happy hormones. So uh, in, in that case, we, we have a, a clear advantage, I would say. Are there any disagreements between the dogs? <laughs> no, because no, we have nope. Caesar. That <laughs> 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 <It> never happens. <laughs> he does that to the dog, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually funny. If you give the dog space, there's rarely a problem. It's more mm -hmm. about the owner that has is maybe anxious when they meet and they pull the leash and the dog thinks, oh, my God, I have to protect. So if you ha see them running free on the beach or in a dog park, many times they know how to say hi, and if they don't like each other, they can show that, but then they avoid each other. It's not common for a normal socialized dog to, to so, so So the human interaction is the problem, is what you're saying? Yeah, I would say in 99%. <laughs>
Uh, Anya, at this point, what's the split between uh, uh, brick and mortar and uh, online sales, uh, if you could say? Well, it really shifted. It was in the beginning, I mean, 80-20 to DTC, then it was half-half. And now I would say it shifts way more into brick and mortar. We even uh, put some um, some effort in going into show fields. We just launched that in New York. It's a very inspirational department store that introduces online brands into retail for um, department stores to see. Um, and through our celebrity partnerships, we got into Macy's and other part, uh, department stores that a dog brand maybe normally wouldn't have access to. So I believe now we more 70% into retail and 30% online. My, my wife runs um, D2C for uh, L'Oreal, so for the mm. active cosmetic division. It used to be L'Occitane and something else. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a tough job. It's a very tough job because it doesn't end in the payments. You still have to fulfill. And then there's the packaging. Exactly. It's like you completely lose control when the package goes out with the FedEx guy or the Amazon guy. Exactly. And the, then they um, lose the package and you're responsible. Yeah. <laughs> you you uh, get a phone call. Yeah. Uh, Anya, obviously, when you started this, you were not the first one out there. You're looking at all the incumbents and then you say, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to face up. They are maybe well capitalized. I am not. You know, you have certain differentiators. You move. How do you cope up with that challenge? You know, I'm sure some of our listeners who are very keen to see in their space how they can kind of navigate through that. Give us your sense. How did you do it? Well, I always believe competition is good. I'm not um, afraid of it. I think it makes you better. If you're the only one out there, there's a reason then you're probably in the wrong space. <laughs> so if you have a product where there's a lot of competition, that's or, something or people a pioneer. want. Or a pioneer, but then you will have competition coming right after you. So um, I would say when I started, I have, had no clue about the pet space. I didn't know that it was needed. I didn't know how big it was. And when I already was deep in it, I realized, my God, there's so many out there. But it was not the same. So we were very different and very early on with a collagen base for pets. And um, I think I was lucky on that side because CBD came at the same time as we launched and everyone had their focus on that. Uh, and two years later... There's a handful of brands left of the 200 that I saw in the beginning starting. So um, the collagen part wasn't as much on their radar. Now it's one of the hottest ingredients in pet this year. So we're happy that we have our patents through. Uh, but I do think you can learn a lot from your competition. Uh, the space is competitive, but it's big enough for everyone to play a role. If you have something different than others, and you were the first one and just make it better and, and put that out there. And I think then, you know, the right funding, the right marketing, uh, you get bigger. But if you look at the fresh dog food space, there are many players out there and they're all doing well. Um, they all kind of have a little differentiator, but they, they have such a big market that um, I believe there's space for everyone. I do have to say it's hard sometimes as a founder seeing successes of very close competitors. Um, and for some people, the social media aspect, I just had a talk with a friend of mine that we, for me and her, it's more like the LinkedIn is like um, 
sometimes something I don't want to look at because it, there's so much obviously that we follow in our industry happening and um, you just have to keep focusing on what you do and not only think about the competition the competition is there there will always be competition just focus on what you're good at and be better and make the solution incredible and it will work so focus and purpose yeah and we passion. see we and definitely passion. see it as, awesome. a, as a red flag when someone says no one no one no one's competing with this with us in this market i was like <laughs> and there's no market because there's always going to be somebody coming in it's like there's a lot more founders that say that than don't and it's yeah i think yeah i think that's a problem because we get when you pitch someone and you you begin you think like you have to be the only brand or they're not going to invest in you and i think that is a problem you have to think about that you have a solution to something that people need and there will be more competitors to try to find a solution to it which is okay. I mean, you know, there's so many beauty creams and so many makeups. It's not like they they don't make money. They still succeed. They're kind of different. Some are the same, but they still, they're fighting over a huge market where everyone can get a market share. So Anya, I don't believe in that. Anya, you have uh, a brand uh, and there are a lot of brands out there today that use influential marketing. Uh, I know you've done a little bit of that as well. Is that is that a good route to take? Or is that something that once you've taken it, you feel there are other way of skinning the cat as well? Yeah, that's a good question. Because we, I mean, I wasn't aware of all these celebrity engagement. We really, they just like presented themselves. We weren't chasing after them, except Caesar, I really wanted to meet. <laughs> so... And, and that was naturally um, um, developing into a partnership. But I would say it's really depending on what you want to have as an outcome. Uh, for me, those partnerships and opportunities are really to build trust for my brand and reach. Um, and for many others, they think it's all about sales. I don't believe that's the way to go nowadays. I think there's way too much noise. If you just think about how many celebrities are partnering or investing or owning a brand, I cannot even count the spirits out there with a celebrities attached. Um, I don't think that that is enough to, to have sales or get your brand recognized and out there. I think it's more about you starting and you find the right partner for that, that actually is good for the brand. I think that's another tip I would give everyone. Do research if it fits to your brand and they really have the same vision and um, ideals than you do in your brand. <clears throat> so it doesn't afterwards um, you find some bad publicity that you didn't want to be involved with. Uh, but mainly for me, it was to bring out that our brand was very young and very new, still very new. Uh, that someone like Halle Berry or Ziggy Marley is actually working with us because they trust us. So there's some integrity for our brand that gives us that stamp that consumers might say, oh, well, they partner with them. Maybe they're really good. There must, must be something behind that. And the same way for um, investors, of course, and for department stores. They would say, oh, well, there's a celebrity on the package that will sell better. But it's not necessarily one post and you sell out. I think that's a myth nowadays. 
the um it must be good food because like on that uh you have a, a video of like the las vegas morning show like <laughs> people eating you eating the food <laughs> it's like i know <laughs> we didn't say that you didn't... she started to eat it and then uh, asked the host to eat it too what and happened after that what happened after the camera stopped though <laughs> i don't know they ate the whole whole bowl <laughs> she did not she said to me she was she will try it and she said it it was really delicious so she continued eating it i mean we had that happen in production that the people working in the factory asked if they can try it and they ate the whole jar there's nothing wrong with it it's all human grade yeah it just needs a little salt maybe on the on the label is that uh, tony or fernando tony tony's our legend um, legacy so you, we will have his logo um everywhere we made him smile a little bit more than the natural bulldog would look, but um, since he's happy, but that's our logo. And we have for the for our partnerships, we actually co-create the la uh, logo with their dogs. So you will see with Hallie, we have her dogs aside Tony, and with Ziggy, Romeo is next to Tony, just to um, show that it's all about the dogs. Oh, Anya, uh, what about international sales? Um, uh, do you have any? Uh, what's your biggest country? Is it Germany? <laughs> well, I wish. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is the U.S., uh, but we are um, 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 exporting to Singapore, Malaysia, soon Japan and Korea. Um, that is a market that very early on got opened up through the collagen, which um, in those countries, they're very aware of the benefits of collagen. Um, and we are soon to export the food into those countries as well. They just looked at the elixirs and some restriction on our grooming line. It has hemp seed oil that is not allowed in many of um, Asian countries. So, um, But we're still looking into Europe, of course. I would say um, if I would have the manpower and my team to do that, I would start exploring Europe. But right now we're really focusing on the U.S., why we in um, Asia is more because we have a really great distributor over there that handles it all for us. So it, there's really no no need on our side to manage it. Um, otherwise, the next step after the U.S., we are moving into Canada, which is the closest. So um, that's the, the next country. And then definitely Europe. But um, due to their problem, you have so many different countries in different languages and, and very different uh, approach on marketing. I think that's what it makes a little harder to enter Europe. But we do have we do have some sales in Germany. The collagen is available there as the only product. But we're looking into one day. Anya, how about, Anya, how about uh, Latin America? I know you had some investors from there as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct, from Guatemala, yeah. Well, that's another very interesting um, uh, country to be in. And we're actually looking to have a co-man over there to make it easier to sell in, in Latin America. Um, there's so much to explore. It's more about getting the right partner set up. And, and through our advisors, we have a lot of people that were happy to connect us. I think it's the next step once we secure the production for the U.S. <laughs> because that was kind of our biggest challenge the last um, year to get enough product to get into all these channels. It's not necessarily to to be able to sell it there. It's more that we can supply 
all the stores. I cannot have empty shelves because we cannot produce enough. So um, that's why we're pretty selective right now with whom we're working and where we want to launch it. But hopefully um, from next year on, our Coleman can grow with us and and we can get into more outlets. That's You're going to come out with, uh, well. uh, with eth ethnic foods like, uh, you know, Italian uh, dog food or uh, <laughs> Mexican, uh, something spicy, you know. <laughs> Well, I don't think it will be good for the dogs to put spices in there. <laughs> but we could definitely theme that for the holidays. Maybe there will be a turkey pumpkin version in the future. Um, I think the supply chain issue right now doesn't really let us be that creative as we want it to be. Um, so we had to focus on the proteins that, that are available as well and not um, seasonal shortage. Uh, what we're more working on is uh, option for sustainability and be going into a very very new space of um, an alternative protein. That's kind of our next, next thinking. And as well as launching our food with the collagen included, that will be out in January, February to um, have a benefit when you feed your dog to have like a ground level of the supplement with the food. So, so your idea is that uh, they should start early with uh, collagen and what is it exactly what does collagen do uh, so, yeah that's interesting that people don't even really understand that collagen is our biggest um, structural protein for all mammals not only humans all mammals dogs horses uh, and it, it is mainly for your connective tissue for cartilage skin so if you think about the cartilage it's very elastic when when you're young uh, and it, it cushions all your jumps and, and the joints. So to keep that matrix, that really nice moist and being able to cushion your jumps, you um, need to have collagen to build this. And your own body produces collagen, but when you age, that ability goes down. Same for dogs. Dogs as early as two or before. Um, for us, it's more in the 20th. Uh, and if you supplement with the right hydrolyzed collagen, meaning collagen peptides that many brands just call them peptides. Uh, that is just a shorter version. The collagen molecule is very big. It wouldn't be able to be uptaken into your bloodstream unless you hydrolyze it into smaller pieces, just cutting it into smaller pieces and make it bioavailable. In that way, you in induce the biosynthesis in your body. So um, think about you, your collagen production goes slowly down. If you supplement at the right age, it will keep that production up and the same for the dogs. So you can give your dog the best ability to nurture the cartilage and, and keep it there and not totally degrade it. I mean, it will, when they age, we cannot do wonders, um, but you can really prevent and keep it there for a longer time. And Tony is a very good example because he was skating until he was 12 and a half. He, he had lung cancer in the end that we couldn't um, cure. But the joints were never his issue. He could have skated, ran. And if you had the x-rays, there was a lot of arthritis, but he could cushion it with that collagen supplement that also has hyaluronic acid that moisturizes the joints. So I always say it's like an oil for your joints inside. And it has vitamins. You need vitamin C at the same time. So it's a complex thing, collagen supplementation. Uh, but 
tested it on humans. I mean, my husband is on it for, for five years now and has no issues uh, and used to have hip problems. So there is um, a long-term effect too that you can regrow cartilage. We saw that on some x-ray studies. That is um, really amazing. We're hitting that mark, Anya. But I wanted to know, do you have any last words, last thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, if we talk about encouraging people to start their own company, I just think you have to be made for that. You have to think about that you really want to go a path that is not easy. It doesn't end with, oh, I have my own time, my free time, I'll be well-funded and can do whatever I want. Unfortunately, that is one part that could happen. But to get there, it's really, really tough. And there's so many sleepless nights and you need a really good foundation of partnership, friend network that is behind you. So you're not alone because there is a lot to cope with. So I, I encourage everyone to go that route, but just be aware that it's not easy. I want to see a team photo of all the dogs. So. And with a name like <laughs> with a name like Happy Bond, you have to be happy. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Anya, thank thank you so much for joining the program. And like uh, you know, we we we. I want to see more more photos. I want to see more videos. I want to see more TV shows uh, eating your food as well. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Anya, I'll work thank on you that. So much. That was episode nine of the Exit Strategy. We look forward to seeing you the next time. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll speak to you soon.